You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, I am Matt Williams. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. And as we do every Wednesday, we have Mike Renner on from Pro Football Focus. Uh, He's been working on a Rams piece, which is very timely since they play tomorrow. We're brought to you by Vivid Seats. I'll tell you about them here in a minute. Mike, what's shaking, dude? Not much. Just sad I missed last week. That's all good. Not a big deal at all. Uh, We are going to talk Rams. I'm going to tell you about Vivid Seats. And then I'm going to talk about O-Line. Mike does a weekly O-Line ranking column at Pro Football Focus from 1 to 32 that I urge you all to check out as well. But you would think the angle here with the Rams is... They're the best team in the league. They got all the star power. Goff looks better. Gurley's a stud. Cook's been a nice addition. The offense is rolling. And I don't think any of those things are false. But what have you been working on? Yeah, the piece was actually sort of saying, yeah, they're this amazing offense, this world beater, but they should be Super Bowl favorites and should be the best, talked about as the best team in the league right now because their defense might be the best defense in the league with how just talented they are and how they're built basically is the sort of gist of the article. Okay. I mean, my take on their defense was, and this goes back to the preseason, all the moves they made are, of course, they're built to stop the pass first. And that's really all that matters nowadays. Some big secret here. You know, they were one of the worst run defenses in the league last year. Didn't matter. I mean, seven of the nine worst run defenses in the league last year in terms of a yards per carry basis went to the playoffs. So, They're built for interior pressure, man coverage with great corners, and it just, to me, if you give one of the best defensive coordinators in memory basically a given as an interior pass rush and corners that are playmakers and a secondary that's a playmaking unit, he can either play coverage, he can blitz off the edge, those linebackers, those edge players don't have to be great players because they have such advantageous roles. That's a hundred percent. That's just, yeah, that's a hundred percent what I wrote is because okay. they've completely ignored edge. They completely ignored linebacker. They have almost zero investment in those positions and they're terrible there, but <laughs> right. it really doesn't matter because if you have to play catch up, but you have to play, you know, with the, what they have on the offense side of the ball, the Rams are going to be scoring points. If you have to pass against this team and they know you have to pass, mm-hmm. you basically have no shot because, like you mentioned, Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue have combined for more pressures than any interior duo in the NFL. And it's also came when opposing offenses have the second quickest time to throw against the Rams defense in the NFL. Basically, opposing quarterbacks know and opposing offense coordinators know they're not going to have time with Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue. There's no chips you can do. On two different interior players, they're yeah. both going to be – one of them's getting a one-on-one, and then that means one of them's probably getting in your quarterback's face. So they have that, and then on the back end, you have Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib, who uh, – not great timing on my part to write that article after both get sort of banged up this past week, but both will be back healthy in time. And with those two guys, you just – teams have not been able to throw the ball down the field. They've allowed the fewest completions, only 10 completions all year that have gone for – 10 plus yards down the field on them which is just i mean if you have that sort of duo of pressure in the quarterback's face man coverage on the back end all you're going to get is checkdowns against your defense and 
that's not a good way. You're going to have to play perfect football to sustain a drive with just checkdowns like that. And of course, like you said, in order, you know, checkdown offense is not going to keep up with Goff and Gurley and McVay on the other side of the ball. And little tidbit, they also happen to be number one on your O line rankings. We'll get to that in a little. But I, I loved how you said. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said something along the lines of, they know who they are. So in order to beat the Rams, you have to do X. And they've built their defense accordingly to not allow you to do that. Yes, exactly. It's They've invested their resources purely in the positions that you know directly impact downfield passes. That, that's all they've done. And they've basically you know neutered opposing offenses accordingly. I am interested... What's your take on Thursday night, though? I mean, the, the Vikings are obviously coming off the stinker of all stinkers, but I do think Diggs and Thielen against replacement corners certainly is an advantageous matchup. But boy, I don't like the Vikes' O line. And, you know, of course, Sue and Donald are the headliners, but I think Brockers is a really good player, too. Yeah, it's such a weird matchup because, like you mentioned, without the you know without the two elite corners, it's a just completely different defense altogether. You can have all the interior pressure you want, but. You know, if guys are getting open, you guys are getting a ton of separation, which I imagine Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen will be against backup corners. You'll still, you know, have a, can run a successful offense. But at the same time, the interior for the Vikings is maybe one of the worst interiors in the NFL. I mean, Mike Remmers, yeah. I think, gave up nine pressures this past week, which is absurd for a guard. Uh, and him going against Aaron Donald is about the biggest mismatch you can find on a football field. So... Yeah, Kirk Cousins will have guys in his face all day, whereas he might have guys open. He might not have time to find them. So I'm not sure which way this one goes. And also, you know, the Rams' offenses look great, but they have not faced a defense probably as good as the Vikings' D. So uh, this one's kind of a toss-up in my mind. I do, I do think the line at seven points is a little high, but uh, it's hard to argue against what the Rams have shown offensively so far this season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the thing about Cousins, though, that – I'm not a big Cousins believer, but I do think he played really well the first two weeks. But I always think of him as when the going gets tough or when he's under a lot of pressure, that's kind of when he screws up. And I would love for playmakers like Tlaib and Peters to be out there to take advantage of that. But I still think he makes some ill-advised decisions tomorrow. Yeah, I can completely get on board with that. And also, I feel like he's very much one of the quarterbacks who pressure in his face he's going check down all day mm-hmm. long so uh, we'll see if they're able to sustain that just you know throwing to you know backs and tight ends but i do think if dalvin cook is healthy and playing he's going to be a tough tough guy for the you know the, the rams linebacking core to wrangle down in space so that could be advantageous for the vikings as well I know your answer to this already, and I agree with you, but I bet there's some old school football people out there thinking, well, why don't you just play keep away with the Rams and have an old school Cowboys, Elliott control the game offense, have Goff watch the game from the sidelines, beat these guys into submission with the fullback and double tight end sets and just pound them into the ground and have 40, 40 minutes of time of possession. So the thing is, they're a bad run defense in terms of yards per carry. But what they do is they make tackles for behind the line of scrimmage. They have guys Donald. shooting gaps, and they have Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue disrupting. So you're not going to get consistent push against them. You're not getting four yards a pop. You'll break off one 20-yard run, and then you'll have a couple zero-yard runs. And so that's tough to sustain drives by just, like you mentioned, if you're 
the whole part of the you know that sort of run game is that you're consistently staying ahead of the chains. You're consistently getting yourself in favorable down and distances. That's not what the Rams are going to allow you to do in run defense. And oh, by the way, it's not like the Rams offense isn't ever going to see the field. You know, they're still going to get yeah. possessions and they're still going to hurt you. Um, last note on Rams. I think we probably agree. Again, I'm putting words in your mouth. Aaron Donald's the best defensive player in the league. In terms of defensive tackles, whereabouts would you rank Sue nowadays? I mean, would you put Cox ahead of him? Geno? Is he still yeah, there's a top handful of guys. There's, yeah. There's a handful of guys ahead of him. I, I think one of his biggest values is that he rarely comes off the field, though. I think he's played over 80% of his team's defensive snaps for, I think, six or seven straight seasons, which is it's just unheard of at the defensive tackle position for a guy just to rarely come off the field like he does. Usually... Guys are closer to 60 than 80 percent when you're over 300 pounds. It's just tough. So I think that has value in and of itself. But just in terms of pure disruption, I'd put guys like Kawan Short, Fletcher Cox, Mm -hmm. a handful of guys. So he's probably in the six to 10 range of DTs in the league right now. And it's a really good group nowadays, too. I mean, I don't think people Mm -hmm. realize how good of what an advantage, especially athletically, the 300 pounders have on defense over the 300 pounders on offense in today's NFL. Yeah, there's a. It, it, I think we've seen a drastic shift in basically a pass rushing interior over the past decade. Just there's so many more nowadays than there were maybe 2008, 2009. No doubt. And we're going to get to these 300-pound men trying to block these studs in a moment. But let me tell you a little bit about Vivid Seats. What you need to do is go to the App Store or Google Play right now and download the Vivid Seats app. You enter our promo code Locked On, all one word, all caps, and you get $20 off $200 investment or more. So Vivid Seats, I mean, if you're a Rams fan, if you want to get to the games on Thursday, if you want to go to concerts, if you want to go to stand-up, hockey season's right around the corner, I'm excited for my Penguins. Um, I'm going to definitely get some Vivid Seats. I'm definitely going to use the Vivid Seats app to make sure I get down to see the Pens. Vivid Seat is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. With Vivid Seats, listeners can watch their favorite teams and artists perform in person. Vivid Seats helps fans find their seats to any of their favorite live events, including sports, concerts, theater, and much, much more. Vivid Seat offers great prices and easy purchasing experience. So like I said, with our podcast with our, our podcast code locked on, all one word, all caps. Listeners receive 20 bucks off orders of $200 or more. So go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. It's very, very easy. Enter our promo code LOCKEDON to receive 20 bucks off orders of $200 or more. Not to mention all Vivid Seats orders are confirmed and backed by 100% guarantee. All right, Mike. So your O-line ranks... First of all, I want to ask, how did you come about with the ranks? Are these strictly your guys' numbers, or did you have some opinions yeah, so thrown in there? They're strictly the numbers from this year, from the first three weeks. So they're truthfully very uh, – they're still very opponent-driven because through three weeks, if you played three pretty trash defensive lines or defensive fronts, you're going to grade better than if you played you know, the Jaguars then – the Texans then. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I, that's still going to be sample size, still a little limited, but it was basically to give you a snapshot of who's been doing well. Okay. Uh, and I mentioned that the Rams are at the top of the list and maybe that line doesn't get the credit it deserves. It's a pretty damn good group. 
I mean, they've been manhandling. I, I, there's a lot of different quarterbacks and a lot of different running backs could have had a ton of success behind this offensive line the way they've run and pass blocked over the first few weeks. I think they're tops in pass blocking grade and tops in run blocking grade among offensive lines. And wow. yeah, like you mentioned, like they, they do have individual talent as well. Andrew Whitworth playing as well as we've ever seen. And the guy who's kind of under the radar came out of nowhere is right guard Austin Blythe, who was – I think a late rounder for the Colts a few years back was a center at Iowa, uh, undersized. Got I think I remember him getting manhandled in pass protection at the Senior Bowl. Got drafted really late. Got cut from the Colts. Who you know if you got cut from the Colts, usually that's a kiss of death. But ended up going to the Rams and looks like one of the best guards in the NFL. He's been pancaking guys left and right and hasn't allowed that many pressures. So. Uh, I think they found a good one there. Wow, that's a guy I need to check out. I wasn't real familiar with him. I remember when he w- did get drafted, but wow, I, I didn't realize he was playing that well. Um, you have Denver at two. Is that one of the cases of maybe opponent-driven somewhat? Yeah, that one's going to be a little opponent-driven, but I also think that sort of the additions of Jared Veltier and what we've seen from Garrett Bowles getting better in year two has really solidified that line. And Connor McGovern... He hasn't been amazing, but he's hasn't been the liability that we've seen him play like in the past. So I think just the fact that they don't really have any holes and then they obviously have the high level play from Leary and Paradis per usual. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that one's part opponent driven part. They actually have improved a lot at a couple of positions there. If, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Eagles are perennially basically number one on your guys lists of late. There are three. If you had to put a chip down of who would finish first when it's all said and done, would it be the Eagles? Yeah, it's definitely the Eagles. Uh, the big part of them finishing three was they didn't have Jason Peters for basically week two. Uh, he got hurt in that one for a while. Uh, I, mean, I think he only played eight snaps, and then Big V played the rest of the game. So that brought him down a little bit. But there's really – they are, in terms of just if you look across that line, the most complete offensive line in the NFL. They have you know all pro type of talent at a few different positions. Their worst offensive lineman, Stefan Wisniewski, would probably be the best offensive lineman on a handful of teams in the NFL. That's how – it's just how talented they are. Yeah, I, I don't think people realize how good their guards are. The centers and the tackles get the attention, but the guards are excellent. Um, the Packers are four. I'm not going to go over all of them. I just want to go to the top guys and the bottom ones. And what's surprising me is I look at these grades is Balaga's grading at like 59, which is low for you guys. Back to Ari's might be one of the he is one of the best left tackles in the league and no one talks about. But when I think of their line, I think of great tackle play, so-so interior line play. But I guess that's not exactly how it's going right now. Yeah, uh, they've had... Uh... Obviously, Bakhtiari maybe the best pass protecting left tackle in the NFL. Balaga's grades definitely deflated by the fact that he went up against Khalil Mack and Daniil Hunter uh, okay. in back-to-back yeah. weeks. That's going to make you look worse. But yeah, the interior of that line uh, is definitely played better. Corey Lindsley uh, and uh, which, gosh, forgetting the left guard's name off the top of my head here. But uh, Lane Taylor. Lane Taylor. There we go. Yep. He's been perennially underrated ever since he took over for Josh Sitton. He's been average to above average guard in the NFL. So uh, I, I do think that's just a sort of another line where they haven't really had many holes. Justin McCray has probably been the biggest hole, but it, it really has not probably exceeded a lot of people's expectations there this season. Yeah, and the, the last one in the top five, 
is the Lions. And I would think some of that is opponent-driven. I mean, the, the Patriots didn't have flowers, and the Jets aren't really loaded up front. But they've also put a lot of resources into this line. And I've been kind of predicting this line to be one of the better ones in the league. Looks like it's coming to fruition. And Ragnall's starting to turn the corner from what I've been watching, too. Yeah, that's the biggest thing is what did they get out of Frank Ragnow? Because for the first couple weeks, it was a, it was a rocky transition for him. He got his butt whipped by DeForest Buckner a few times, but then you saw him against the Patriots going up against guys who are a little less athletic than DeForest Buckner. But you know, Malcolm Brown and Danny Shelton are no slouches in run defense, and he was taking them three, four yards off the ball consistently was just a force as a run blocker. Didn't allow any pressures on the day either. I think if he just comes around to that, you have, again, an offensive line that TJ Lang at right guard, high-level sort of player, Ricky Wagner at right tackle, very similar. Uh, Just having no holes is going to bump you pretty far up our list, and that's what the Lions look to have, especially if Ragnar's playing as well as he is. Yeah, Uh, there's, there's some that grade in the middle, and again, it's only after three games. And I would expect all of these to, to continue to rise, assuming they stay healthy or get healthy in some cases. That's the Saints at 8, the Patriots at 10, well, the Cowboys at 11, but there's kind of an asterisk to that one. The Steelers at 13, and Washington at 14. Yeah, I think the concerning part, I'm going to touch on the Steelers at 13, is the fact that uh, Ramon Foster just has not been nearly as good as we've seen in the past from him at guard. I wonder if when DeCastro is fully healthy again, if B.J. Finney doesn't overtake, because B.J. Finney's been out playing him at guard this whole season, it seems like. In the in the past couple of games when he's played, Finney's, I think, only allowed three pressures so far. So I have a little uh, insight on that, and I'll be down at the Steelers facility here in a couple hours, but... I think that to to pull back the curtain, the Steelers Mm -hmm. know that Finney's probably the better player. Foster's a free agent after the season. Finney is going to move right in there as the starter. But I think that there is some concern, unlike most lines in the league, the five of those guys have played together for, what, like three years in a row now, that there's a great communication there. And Ramon's a real team leader. He's the... He's the rep, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure that it's leaps and bounds. You know, the, the, the sum of the whole might be better than the parts, if you know what I'm saying, at this stage. No, I get that, especially with a line like that to where, like you mentioned, I think since the end of the 2015 season when Villanueva took over, they've been, they've been that unit has been together. So that sort of chemistry and the, the, what they've produced, it's hard to sort of argue with the results. So that chemistry... O-line is one position where that does matter a lot more than, you know, a lot of other units. Now, I want to mention some of these bad lines, and boy, there are some bad lines. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's bad. I mean, the bottom three, to me, are just dismal. And you guys have Houston at 30. I truly think they're the worst line in the league when it's all said and done. Seattle at 31, who's been horrible forever. But they actually have some players. I mean, maybe there's a little hope there, but Mm Effetti cannot play in this league. And the Cardinals, their their guards are okay. The rest of the unit, to me, is terrible. I'm looking at their grades, though. It doesn't look like anyone's grading well for them. Yeah, that's the thing. It's Justin Pugh and I.E. Patty were good at one time, but yeah. the injury is just – they look like completely different players. They just don't – in pass protection, they, they just haven't had it. Like, they, the, I.E. Patty has been whiffing left and right. Justin Pugh can't – he can't stop. Yeah, so the guard position was supposed to be, you know, supposed strength. Mikey Ayupati and Justin Pugh have played really well at times in the past, but 
they injuries have really taken their toll on both those guys. Ayub Hadi is getting just whiffing a ton in pass protection. His feet don't look nearly as active as they were in the past, and Pugh can't stop a bull rush so far to save his life. So the interior is weak, and we knew their tackles are going to be terrible, so that's why they're at 32. And then Seahawks, you mentioned there's some hope for them, and there's some hope for the Cardinals with the guards they have, but it, it really hasn't come to fruition yet. But the 30, the Texans, there's really not hope for that line no. at this point. <laughs> no, <laughs> their, not- tackles are, their tackles just aren't good, and they're young, and they're – not a lot, didn't get a lot of hype coming out. That's why there are mid-rounders. You know, <laughs> there's not starting guys who are supposed to be good. The only guy who, you know, had some hope that he thought might carry this line was Nick Martin, but he just never has recovered from, recovered from that ankle injury his, his rookie year, and he just doesn't look like he has it at this point. So you have five across of just issues, and they really, more than any team I've kind of seen this year, have tried to protect their tackles with chips, you know, doing stuff to not get them into one-on-one situations. But I think pretty much every time I see them getting one-on-one situations, they're not winning, you know? Yeah, right. I mean, one-on-one's fine, but you can't win. <laughs> the, um, yeah. I guess the last one I want to touch on, I see the Raiders are kind of low here, but I bet they'll kind of come back to the pack. They've played some reasonably tough teams. The team that's just cursed, though, I mean, no matter what the Chargers do, their O-line is bad. I mean, Feeney is at a 29.2 grade for you guys. Holy smokes. I mean, that's about as low as I've ever seen for you guys. Yeah, I mean, he got the break speed off him by Aaron Donald. He didn't do... Uh, yeah, he <laughs> got the break speed off him by Chris Jones in the first week against Kansas City. He is does not look... I had high hopes for him coming out, too, and he does not look like he's putting it together. The guy I'm sad who can't see the field is Forrest Lamp. Uh, injuries have just derailed his career to this point and still hasn't taken a snap. So uh, I thought the guards would be better. You know, I had hope for those, that duo that they drafted a season ago has not come to fruition. Like you mentioned, I think the Chargers offensive line is just cursed at this point. You're just, it's never going to be good once Philip, while Philip Rivers is behind center, it seems like they just hell bent on getting him just killed. Right. Mike, these are really good. I urge everyone to go to Pro Football Focus, read all 32. There's a little write-up for all of them. There's a grade for all the starters. And, of course, all the other great work that you guys do over there. Thanks so much, brother. Yep. Thanks so much, Matt. Have a good one. Absolutely.